Welcome to the Student Ministry Podcast by Lifeway. We're so glad to have you here, and we would love it if you would leave a rating and review. That helps other people find the podcast as they search for student ministry stuff on their podcast platform. It also helps us because we love to hear what you think and actively take suggestions, change formats, and do things based on feedback because we do this for you, the youth pastor. So let us know what you think. Leave a ratings and re- leave a rating and review, and we would love that. I am your host, Ben Trueblood, and I'm here alongside producer Nathan. What's up? How's it going? It's good, man. So it's been a little bit since we've recorded. See, these come out every week, but we record at mm-hmm. different times based on what we've got going on. You've had some camp yeah. Camp stuff happening, We've right? Some camp training. I was at a huge program training. It's been great. They're starting to kick off camp next week. So I think some of our camps are already running between Student Life and I think uh, Student Life for Kids. They're already running camp. So it's amazing. Summer is officially here. It is officially here. And that is an exciting time. I know student ministry folks, uh, summer is one of those things I think that like you look forward to for a long time. At least, well, I won't speak for everybody. It was this way for me occasionally you look forward to it for a long time you not camp out you get a couple weeks into it and you're like man when does school start back again <laughs> you're just yep. ready for some kind of routine to happen uh nathan also if if we could people might be a little used to us checking in on this from time mm-hmm. to time we just finished up monaco we did on the f1 season it How are a, you? What do you feel about Monaco? Man, it's it's a great track. It's impossible to drive on in the F1 game. So uh, if anybody ever plays that, and you're probably much better at me at that because I like to bang my tires into walls. But how about <laughs> how about your man, Sergio Perez, with the win and the extended contract? It was a big I weekend know. for Red Bull. A big weekend for Checo. I'm super excited. Uh, you know, sometimes when you're not the marquee driver on a team, Mm-hmm. We saw like with Valtteri Botas when he was with Lewis Hamilton on Mercedes, yep. they kind of get passed over a little bit. So it was fun to see the number two guy on the team get a win. So shout out to all you middle school pastors out there who <laughs> sometimes right. feel like the number two person who uh, who needs a win. It can happen and it will. It, but uh, middle school pastors, you also know that like secretly you have actually the best job in the world. So just keep it a secret. Nobody, you you can can keep that between us. All right. On with our episodes today. Uh, I'm super excited about this episode. I want to introduce you uh, to Nick Hartman. Nick has been the associate pastor of students and discipleship at Mount Carmel Baptist church in cross plains, Tennessee for 18 months, married to his wife, Haley for three years, and they are expecting their first baby in just a few weeks by the time this releases. So Nick, congratulations on that. He's been in ministry for five years, much of his ministry happening in rural areas. And that's exactly what we're going to focus our podcast on today is ministry in a rural environment. So Uh, If you've been listening to the podcast for a long time, you know that we try to hit all aspects of student ministry. We try to come at this. We try to always pull universally applied principles from interviews that we have. And this is definitely a topic that I think is needed. And full disclosure, Nick actually reached out to us. We've met before and hung out a little bit. And he reached out and said, hey, what about this topic? And I said, Nick, and he actually 
like recommended somebody else to, she was like, what about this topic? And you can do, you can interview this person. I was like, I don't know that person. Why don't I interview you for this topic? So Nick, welcome to the podcast. Uh, also something you should know about Nick, regular contributor, uh, to youth pastor, theologian and knowing Jesus and has published articles, uh, with, for the church. So writer, thinker, rural context, youth pastor about to have a baby, Nick, you got a lot going on, man. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's exciting to be here. I've been a listener since probably you know episode two hundred and fifty, somewhere along the lines there. So, okay. um, been on here for a little bit, listening. Excited to get on and talk to y'all about rural student ministry today. And um, <laughs> I, I am, I would say, somewhat of a expert in it, but also there's people who have done it far longer than I have, who um, I hope I can help speak for as, as I've met with and pastored with them. So excited to share. Yeah. Man, I, I guess the f- place to start just to help people understand, because there will be some that are listening to this episode and they're like, finally, I feel like one of my people is there because they also <laughs> serve in a rural context. And there are going to be people that are going to say, what do you mean by rural student ministry? Absolutely. So let's start. Let's start there. And I would love for you just to give some definition to yep. that ministry setting. Yeah. So, man, when you think of rural, it's it's one of those words that you know, suburban, urban. We're all like, man, what do we think of contextually and all of that? You know, um, rural ministry can be the absolute middle of nowhere. Farmville Midwest. It can be Mountain, Colorado, or Wyoming. Um, typically, you know, when we think of the word rural, we're thinking of small towns. Um, we're thinking of communities that are under eight thousand. Um, okay. Maybe not within a. I would say probably thirty-five to forty minutes outside of a larger city. Right. If you can't get to a Chick Fil A within 35 minutes, then you're probably in a rural area. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's a good distinction. I like that. Or in a foreign country, but uh. <laughs> that's, that's right. Well, so being like, I know where Cross Plains is, where you are in relationship to Nashville. So uh, far enough outside the city to be like, you've got a plan to go there, but still reachable. Mm-hmm. Um, the Chick-fil-A rule uh, definitely <laughs> is, is applying in your, uh, in your context. What, let's talk about the uniqueness of that particular ministry setting. Um, that, that's the setting that you have served in. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about some of the uniqueness that's at play in that setting versus, say, like, you know where I live, a more suburban area or Absolutely. something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah rural, rural, I've been in rural ministry in several different spots. Uh, started in near the Kansas City area, about 35 minutes outside of downtown Kansas City Metro um, in, a, in a very rural community um, and grew up there, born and raised there, um, went to church there for my child and teenage years. And um, it was an interesting experience, right? Because a lot of the people that are in your student ministry, they know each other, they've grown up together. Some of them are related family-wise. Um, and so you get to hear all of the stories, all of the things that are going on there. Um, move to middle Missouri um, to a, a little bit more of a more rural context outside of the city of Columbia. Um, 
and just kind of small town feel. You know, everybody knows everybody. Um, you go to the community store or the Dollar General and you see people um, that you know pretty well because those are the places to shop. When you're in student ministry, you don't necessarily, you know, you might be 25 or 40 minutes from a Walmart. So the Dollar General is the place to, to start if you need something small. Um, and then we moved here to Tennessee and uh, in this rural context here, um, it's very farm um, heavy, very agriculturally based, which we love. We have a lot of families who um, are, are big into generational agriculture. Um, even some families who move up here who, you know, then drive into the city, right? So it's kind of that, that small town vibe that everybody dreams of. Um, but it's also a unique challenge in the sense that um, there's some really great opportunities to to minister to families, um, to enjoy relationships across the board. Um, and then there's some unique challenges as well, being that you're not in a place that you can go and go to a top golf within, you know, 45 minutes or, or, or yeah. different activities. So you have to get really creative about some of the activities that you do. Um, you have to really think, man, what, what are we going to be doing for some of the teaching and all of that? And I'll get into that a little bit more here, but, um, you know, you're at pretty much every event, which in a more suburban or urban context for schools, you might be at a lot of the events, but the entire community often revolves around the middle school and the high school in a rural area. Mm. And so that um, that really dictates a lot of what you do and your schedule and things like that. So um, there is tends to be a little bit more openness with the local school district in rural areas from what I've experienced. Um where you're able to maybe have a little more access to the students and the school and the teachers and support them in ways that you may not have done in a more urban or suburban area. So those are some of the things we found, and I'd love to go into anything more on those um, as well. Yeah. I think I'd like to press into the relationship piece of this a little bit. Um, you mentioned relationships with the schools and how those can sometimes be different in that setting, because uh, you're probably talking about one middle school and one high school correct for the com for the community rather than several so that makes it possible for you as a youth pastor not to have divided attention on multiple schools but to say these are our teachers i probably know most of them because we see them around town we see them some of them attend our church we you know there's there's a deeper relationship able to be had there there's probably also deeper relationships able to be fostered with the people of the church um, because most of the time we're because of the demographics that you described probably a community of around 8,000 people and far enough out of a city where you're not going to have people from Kansas City driving out to the church probably to make that their church home so we're talking generally smaller environments smaller church right and so that allows you to go deeper in relationships with individual families as a part of that community, uh, that community setup, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the huge values I would say is that you're not just, uh, when you do rural ministry, you're not just doing student ministry, you're doing family ministry as well. You're connecting with the parents. Oftentimes you might go and get a meal with a dad or, you know, take, um, a family out to, 
spend time together. Maybe you're invited over to their house to go to a barbecue, things like that. It's not just uh, organizing your event schedule around a parent's breakfast or things like that, but you're actually doing often day-to-day life with uh, the men and women who are in your community, who have teenagers, who um, deeply love their church, are deeply rooted in their church. Um, It's interesting. Our demographic at our church is... um, a little bit interesting because we're beginning to see the shift of kind of the the northern growth of Nashville, um, but we're still very much in a place where it is a generational church, right? Where we have a lot of mm. a lot of legacy, a lot of different families who have been here for you know their great great grandparents, maybe have even planted the church, um, and mm. so those are really interesting things because you have uh, a great grasp on history. But you also at times have some resistance to, you know, we remember when it was at this heyday and, you know, yeah. how do you change or, or move the course of maybe a student ministry? Um, and I'm confident that many others who have been in a, in a more rural setting understand that. Like, how do we come in as somebody who's brand new? 18 months is relatively new to a ministry position. Develop those relationships and gain that trust to then be able to move some things forward that might look different than student ministries had when they were a student, right? Or when now that we have their kids that are students, um, how do we do that? And so some of the things that we found like coming in early on was just connect with the parents an authentic level. Don't try to build up any walls. Don't try to, you know, hold things back, but just be honest, be like, Hey, this is us. We want to share that with you. And in the same ways, a lot of times you get that reciprocated. And so those relationships are fundamental for success in a rural student ministry. So that's one way that you approach ministry in a rural area is just diving into those relationships. And I think you said something that's really important that is obviously applicable to your rural setting, but would expand to other settings as well. And that's to recognize the history of the place. And that when you bump up against uh, a thing or people, or there seems to be hesitancy to do something, chances are, it's not just because they don't want to do it. It's, it's because it's connected to some element of history of what they remember from the past or what is embedded in the way that ministries happened. So I just want to kind of expand that out for other listeners that are like, oh, maybe that's, maybe that's why it was really hard for me to start this new thing. Maybe you didn't have the relationship capital and maybe there's a lot of history there that you just didn't know about as a leader. So Nick, I'd love for you to talk about another uh, way that you approach ministry in a rural area. So you kind of have this history aspect and knowing that, man, there are great, great grandparents that like we have legacy families, many of them in the church. Uh, and then the relationships with people. What's another way that that you think, man, if you're going to do rural ministry well, you've got to approach it this way. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, being sensitive about um, some of the things, the struggles that have happened in a church, often with legacy churches, there are um, deep rooted, um, hopefully developing resolved um, hurt. But even in those moments, you have scars that happen, um, but also celebrations. And so being sensitive of like, 
hey, this is where the church is. So learning as much as you can about the church's history is super important. If you're going into a rural context or are in a rural context and have just started or been in for a long time and you're like, man, I don't know much about my church's history. Um, so that way you can know, oh, they're not getting mad at me for this reason. There's there's something more there, right? Uh, now, obviously that's relational, that's historical, but also um, being sensitive about, you know, the different economic provisions in the community, mm. you know, being sensitive about, hey, what what is, I guess, the the population of our church and how does that reflect our community? Um, and then like the last one, as I already mentioned once, is investing in families, not just, you know, focusing on the student area, but uh, children's um, oftentimes at least where we're at and what I've seen in other places is, is rural churches are kind of two or three population settings. One is um, that they might be an older church with a few teenagers and, you know, may have a part-time or a volunteer. If you're that person, thank you for, for leading in those settings. Um, it could be really challenging sometimes. I was bivocational for a couple years and it was a great um, reminder to me of the job that was set before me and the calling that was set before me. Um, and it is, it is a gift if you're bivocational or volunteer leaders. Thank you for doing the work that you're doing. Um, but in that being said, you know, you may not have the top youth ministry. You may not be able to take a ton from other youth ministries, but you have to understand the unique DNA that you've been given, right? You might have four um, of the strongest young men and women who are going to lead in their schools that you can pour into. And guess what? Now you get to disciple like it's a small group. Um, you know, so, so knowing your setting is super important. And that's obviously in any place, big or small, but especially, especially in a rural place. Um, because one of the temptations that I have and continue to have um, is to always try to be that bigger church when the reality is, you know, at 250, we're a decent sized rural church, um, about 250 people, 25 students. Um, it's that's pretty decent for a rural area. But um, even when I had 10 or 12, I was like, man, do I need to be this big church? But the reality is you don't. Um, your DNA is unique to you. So, man, that's I think that is such an important thing to just sit on for a second is that. In this environment, now, you know, you might be close enough to a big city where the growth eventually goes out there and God does something amazing and you hear one of those stories about 250 to whatever. It's in God's hands a long way in the future, whatever it may be. But the the wrestle, I think, that student pastors of any context have is, man, do I need to be more like that over there? Or do I need to have something bigger or do I need to have something larger in terms of attendance and ministry budget and all of those kinds of things? But the reality of the situation is that your context, Nick, we could talk specifically about your context. Unless one of those God sized things happens, you, that church can grow but is probably going to be a smaller sized church forever. And that's a beautiful thing. And that's okay. 
And that doesn't make it less impact and that doesn't make it less of a church. I mean, you articulated, man, you might have these three or four students that you can just pour into in this way because of how they they because they're grabbing it. They're saying, yes, I want this and I'm going to impact my school and all of those things. So I'd love to hear you talk about serving in a context where, I mean, you just you mentioned I you said I struggle with this still sometimes, too. But it's a remembering of, nope, this is where God has me, and I don't have to be that. I can be this right here. Let's talk more about that because I would, I mean, again, the church is probably not going to to be a large church. The budget is going to be what it is. You mentioned economic factors of the community earlier have an impact on how you do ministry. So talk about the contentment that you can find in kind of this resolve of, I know God has me here and there are people here that, that need this ministry. Yeah, man, it's, um, it is going to be a battle that those in volunteer and bivocational and even full-time rural s- student ministry are going to fight and it's student ministers in general and not just for, it's not just reserved for this group that has, you know, eight or 10 or 15 or 25 students. No, it's reserved for every student pastor. Um, but I think, it's this is the fact that the calling of the pastor is for the local church and the calling of the ministry leader is for the local church. The reality is the church that I was at where I was bivocational, the people who are still serving there have been there for 15 or 20 years. Even when the Lord had called me to that next step for my wife and I and our family to the place where, you know, we, we had discerned and prayed and had been counseled like this was the right next step. The reality is that the people that we are, that are still there are going to be there serving and leading. And, you know, how can we use that time that we are gifted? It's a gift, right? The time inside of any ministry is a gift. How can we use that for the glory of God? You know, what is, and honestly, it's just preaching to ourselves what we preach to our students. You know, what, what is our purpose? What is our goal? You know, to, to worship God and enjoy him forever to, to, you know, in, in life and death, both in, in, in all things is to worship our savior, Jesus Christ. And, um, if we are preaching that to our students, but are not preaching that to ourselves, we're going to burn out. We're going to, to, there is no ministry area that's going to keep us in ministry, even if it's a 200 or 400 or 800 person student ministry, whatever, you know, there, there, if, if we can't preach and be content in the fact that my job is to serve God's bride, the local church where he has called me to do that. Even if it's, you know, the, the volunteer role, like that is such a gift and it is such a calling and it is, it is a, it, it is not just preaching to ourselves, but surrounding ourselves with a community. I mean, in, in rural ministry, one of the things you don't have that you may have in a larger student ministry is, you don't, it's usually just you and a couple volunteers. 
right? Um, versus like a larger student ministry, you might have a middle school pastor, like we talked about. You might have a, a girl's young adult or, or youth pastor there who is in over our girls ministry. Um, you might have a lot of people on staff who are able to help you. And so then you have a great staff who can support and hopefully have great um, appreciation and support of one another. But in rural student ministry, you really do have to surround yourself with other local student pastors um, or associate pastors or youth volunteers or whoever to help in doing things together, right? And reminding each other to speak into one another. And we're, I'm really grateful for uh, a large group, about 10 youth pastors up here in Robertson County, where we're at, who, who do speak into me and remind me, like, this is where the Lord has you. Keep going, mm-hmm. keep, keep going forward and knowing that you are glorifying God with your work even if it doesn't feel like it every single day. So, I mean, yeah. just to summarize there, right? It's the people that you surround yourself with, and it's what you preach to yourself. If Do you preach the same thing to your students that you preach to yourself? Are you preaching the gospel to you? And, and I get, I know there are people too who are, who are listening who might be on their last leg and say, I can't do it anymore in this rural area, or I can't do it anymore anywhere. And, and my encouragement would just be, man, the Lord is gracious to provide, and and our calling is greater than just this whole kind of idea of numbers or comparison or anything like that. And honestly, that's what Satan wants to do to us: is bring us down by comparing us to others. Um, yeah. So, that's yeah, good. that's that's just what I would say. Yeah. Well, I know that's probably part of some advice that you would have too for for <laughs> youth pastors yeah. that are that are in that rural environment or. You know, some of them might be in their first time position. They've just gotten a new job and they're like, okay, how do I approach this? What's some other advice that you would give? Because, you know, five years ago, starting out and then you here at this new place and just in the last 18 months. So you have started fresh again here recently. What's some advice that you would give people as they approach ministering in a rural area? Yeah, I mean, every every location, every situation is obviously unique. Um, I don't want to put all of us into one blanket, rural student pastors. I don't think what we ever try to do that, you know. Um, but as far as one of the things that I have found um, is if there are other evangelical churches in your community, whether they're uh, Baptist or Pentecostal or non-denominational um, or Whatever. If there if there are people who are like minded in the gospel and align near you, do what you can to work with them when you can. Um, it, it, you may not you they may not be focused on the theological depth that you want to go into. They may not be focused on all the series that you really want to do. Um, they may not be focused on the same discipleship plan. But the reality is, in a rural area, it's not a competition. And I think we, we, you know, that's one thing we, we have to get out of our, our minds is like, this is, this is where our churches aren't competing. If we are focused on the gospel, the gift that the Lord has given us of salvation and grace for us broken sinners, then let's, let's walk this race together. I get that our churches have distinct goals and distinct visions, and the Lord has given us distinct opportunities. Uh, but we see it here. Uh, I mean, one thing that's really unique about our context is in our community, there is another non-denominational, um, fairly mid-sized church. Um, and, 
you know, my goal with them is that we are working together on not every single event, not every single thing, but enough that we're, that we're, the community sees, Hey, they are in it together for the gospel. Right. And so, um, that's been really refreshing. It's been really important. Um, and it's been really helpful, um, to, to have events like a fields of faith together, right. To have a, a, a fifth quarter where we're doing together, um, and so just having that opportunity to find those like-minded individuals that you can work together with on certain things is super important. And like I said, that's not everything. Your church is unique to you. So, yeah, man, there are uh, some of the favorite things that I've gone and had the blessing to speak at have been the things that you've just mentioned, where a community of youth pastors have come together and said, hey, we can do more together than we can individually. So let's support each other. Let's support our students together. And let's do this bigger thing all together. And there has just been a really cool kingdom atmosphere at those things that sometimes you don't get other places. Um Anyway, that, those I have spoken at some of those things, and there really is a camaraderie, an uppercase K kingdom mindset that takes place. Um, so I appreciate you calling that out as something to seek and do as a part of as a part of rural ministry. Um, Nick, as we wrap up, I want to give people an opportunity to connect with you, and we mentioned some of the things. Um, that you're involved in from youth pastor, theologian to a contributor with knowing Jesus ministries and doing some writing for them. Uh, So I would love for you just to take a second and tell people how they can connect with you either directly through some social media or those things in case they have further questions about rural ministry or just looking for another youth pastor to connect with. Yeah, absolutely. I love, like I said, relationships are huge. They're important for rural areas. And while the internet's often slow in rural areas, we do have Instagram and Facebook and all of that. (laughs) So I'm on all of that. Yeah. uh, Instagram, Twitter, you can find me, Nick underscore Hartman one. Um, If you type in on Facebook, Nick Hartman, I'd love to connect there as well. Um, Fairly easy to try to get in touch with. Email is nick at mountcarmel.cc send me an email. Um, as far as youth pastor theologian and other places go, um, youth pastor theologian is a, a site of like-minded youth pastors who are really focusing on how can we incorporate theology into our student ministries, um, and kind of going deeper there. So, uh, just youthpastortheologian.com If you want to check out some of the stuff we're doing, we have some great resources that are focused on, um, even for rural ministry, theology for rural ministry, we've had conversations about, uh, how do we incorporate you know, even if words like, oh, well, we don't do theology here. We just read the Bible or whatever you might hear in your community. How you, can you incorporate kind of deeper, broader theological focuses? And so uh, you can definitely check out there. Um, and like I said, I just love to contribute with uh, what Eric Reed is doing and knowing Jesus. And um, so definitely have some more articles. One that talks about membership, teen membership in uh, local churches. So we talk about how loving teens and getting them involved into membership in a local church. So love it. Well, Nick, thank you for taking the time to, uh, to be with us today, to talk through your experience, share your wisdom with us. We really appreciate it, man. Thank you for being here. 
Don't go anywhere. Listeners to the podcast, producer Nathan and I will be right back after this brief message. All right, whenever you're ready. Hey, everybody. This is the brief break, but I hope you didn't go anywhere because I have exciting news for you. Youth Ministry Booster Season 4 registration is now open. You might be saying, what is Youth Ministry Booster? Youth Ministry Booster is our online community of youth pastors designed to give you a place for collaboration with other youth pastors and to give and receive care alongside other youth pastors. We know that youth ministry can be a very challenging, sometimes lonely place. And one of the best ways to attack that is by being in community with other youth pastors that know what it's like to walk in your shoes. So we would love to have you as a part of Youth Ministry Booster. Head over to youthministrybooster.com and register for season four right now. It's something I wish I would have had as a youth pastor, and we're doing it because we care about you as a person before you as a pastor. So register for Youth Ministry Booster Season 4 right now. All right, Nathan, we are back. Nick Hartman, great dude. He, uh, I really enjoy When he came into town, he reached out and was like, hey, I've been listening to the podcast, would love to grab uh, meal with you. And so we met and have just kind of kept in touch, uh, over the last 18 months and, um, super thankful for his approach to ministry mm-hmm. and wanting to lift up specifically rural student ministries. So grateful for him reaching out and wanting to talk through that. Uh, would love to know your major takeaways from today. Yeah. Uh, couple for me were, it, well, first off, it really reminded me a lot of the church that I grew up in. I don't, I wouldn't say that my church that I grew up in was really a rural area. We were in a, in a city of somewhat over a hundred thousand, I think at that time, but it was in the outer suburbs of it, but it was very, very much a generational church where like my grandparents were one of the ones that helped start and found the church. Like my mom was in the student ministry that I grew up in. Right. Wow. What you had said was, you know, sometimes resistant to change because they're like, oh, well, the last student pastor tried that 20 years ago or, you know, three <laughs> student pastors ago tried it 20 years ago. Didn't right. work. Like, yeah, but different time, place, context. I'll do it different, blah, blah, blah. You know, those kind of things. So but it was just interesting to think about those aspects. So I think sometimes there are those churches that have a little bit of the rural feel with also some of the city feel. I think that's kind of like the church that I grew up in. You know, some of the students are competing on the weekends where you're showing sheep and the other people are, you know, doing other stuff on yeah. town. FFA. Like, FFA, yeah. Other people are in sports, other people are doing, you know, robotics clubs. Just it's a it's a plethora of stuff. So that's I think that makes ministry kind of fun. The big thing I took away though was something that I got to experience working there at that church and then our association was working with other churches, I think is a huge deal. We had a yeah. group of about probably five or six churches that we worked really closely with to help put on like an association, kind of a wide fall retreat up at Ridgecrest. And that was always a ton of fun. Um, One, like taking six months out of the year to kind of work on that and plan. But then also it just turned into a lot of like, well, exactly what Youth Ministry Booster does, but kind of meeting and just chatting with other people about student ministry and focusing on like, hey, how can we help each other out? You know, because it really was a in our kind of northern pocket of that city, there was no point in trying to compete with each other. And so I got, got getting to know those people. Like I trusted like, Hey, this, we've got students from this high school that 
could go to any one of these five churches because it's a decent sized high school. And so I'm, if I have a student that comes to us for a little bit, but then they really connect somewhere else, then, you know, hey, that's great because I know that guy. I trust that guy. I know he's teaching, you know, gospel centered stuff. So I think it makes it easier there and it takes away some of that competition because you know some of the people. And it's just, you need people that, understand what it's like to do ministry working a lot right alongside you. So that's the biggest takeaway I had was just encouraging student pastors to work with other people in the areas that you can. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, it's funny because that connects right along with youth ministry booster. And I know we just did the quick promo for that. That's going to play on this episode. And, and, you know, we talk about it a lot here, but that community matters with other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, th- I think the thing that stood out for me the most is just the pull, the temptation sometimes that people feel to, I need to have a bigger ministry. Mm-hmm. I need to be a part of a bigger church, like to equate success with that type of thing. And yeah. just the contentment. And, and Nick, I appreciate the vulnerability that's like, hey, I've struggled with this and I probably can, will continue to at points. But that yeah. is a real that is a real pull. But mm-hmm. not, not one that is how do I want to say it? It is a real pull, but it's one that can take away take your focus off of what God has actually placed you in the middle of. Mm-hmm. If we're always looking outside and always looking down the road, then we're not looking at the people and the things right around us. Yeah. And I thought he did such a great job of just pointing that out and saying, Hey, like this is about relationships. And in this kind of setting, you can go deeper maybe with people mm-hmm. than in other settings. And, finding contentment and this is where the Lord has me and I need to serve these people well and not worry about bigger, I think is a really important part. Uh, The temptation is to say, I need to be at something larger. Yeah. But we don't. That's, there was a recognition of God has me right here for right now. Yeah. And I think that's, I think he did a great job of setting that up in this particular kind of ministry environment. Good stuff from Nick today. This has been another episode of the Student Ministry Podcast by Life Lake. We'll see you next time.